the thing that I learned, and, and I heard somebody say it when I first got going in the industry, is if you can make friends fast and you're not afraid to talk to people, you're going to be okay. You'll figure it out. Welcome to the Add Value to Entrepreneurs podcast, the place where we help entrepreneurs to not hate their boss. Our mission is to end entrepreneurial unhappiness. If you dream of changing the world, but you're not sure where to start, the Add Value to Entrepreneurs podcast will help you transform your life and business. This podcast is for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from their work so they can live the life that they desire. You deserve it, and it is possible. My name is Robert Peterson, former passer turned CEO and the smiling coach. I believe that success without happiness is failing, but there is hope. Join us each week as we bring you an inspiring leader or message to help you. Thanks for investing time with us today. This week's guest is an experienced financial advisor who has focused his life and business to serving independent small business owners, the solopreneur. He knows exactly what it takes to find financial security when transitioning from employee to business owner or contractor without regular consistent income. He thrives on the unique challenges small business owners face financially. Gabe Nelson is the best-selling author of The Solopreneur's Money Manifesto, How to Master Your Finances and Create the Life You Want, and hosts the popular podcast, Solopreneur Money. Gabe Nelson shares with Robert Noel the importance of investing in the community. He's an owner for a pre-professional women's soccer team. Their goal is to empower women through soccer. Gabe shares a challenge many business owners face in getting caught up in activities they shouldn't, like email, social media, and other distractions from doing the thing that you do. If you're an entrepreneur who started their business with a purpose and a passion that has been lost in the busyness of the daily grind, we get it. That is why we've opened up our free strategy calls. A lot of entrepreneurs, probably including you, just want a sense of clarity on the barriers holding them back that you need to overcome in order to accelerate your growth and achieve your dreams. These short 30-minute calls give you a chance to work with one of our coaches without any commitment or pressure. Scheduling is easy. Just go to smilingcall.com. Let's jump on a call and get you the help and clarity you need. Select a time and let's build your business. It's time for you to add value. Yes, well, Dave, thank I, you so yeah. much for joining us and jumping on the show today. We're, we're excited to, to have this conversation together and, and just know that uh, you're going to add a ton of value for our entrepreneur listeners just based on your purpose and, and, and who you're serving in your own podcast. Well, thanks. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> so, so typically we just start each episode with our guests being able to share their own entrepreneurial journey. And we use that as a jumping off point for the rest of the conversation. Okay. Um, well, my current entrepreneurial world is I am a financial advisor, a podcaster, a uh, pre-professional women's soccer team co-founder and owner. And uh, that is what's currently going on in, in my, what I would say, my entrepreneurial world. Um, I will say this. I mean, I, I've had the entrepreneurial spirit ever since I was a kid. Uh, the jobs that we had when we were kids in my family, we were all paper boys. And so we'd go out and do, you know, deliver newspapers in the mornings. And, and uh, the interesting, funny story about that is, is, we didn't realize as 10, 11, 12, 13-year-old kids that we're actually supposed to go back and collect 
for the newspapers that we delivered. Dang and it. so we kept going like, where's our money? Why are we, why are we doing this? But we don't have any money. Well, come to find out, we didn't realize we we're supposed to go out and collect money. And uh, I learned really quickly uh, when we walked up to that first house and had to ask people to pay us for the last two or three months, when one of my brothers just elbowed me in the side, he's like, nope, you're talking. Like, okay, I guess I'm going to learn right now how to handle this. And so the entrepreneurial journey kind of started then. I realized I could talk to people and I could actually get them to part with their money. And uh, that morphed into different things throughout time and um, helped me land into this, you know, financial advisory career, uh, not too far right out of college. So nice. Mm -hmm. All right. I want to I want to dig into this uh, sports team ownership. I, I'm, I'm intrigued a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So pre-professional or, or uh, what, how did you how did you term that? <laughs> It's called, uh, we own a team. The team is called Sioux Falls City Football Club, and it is a women's pre-professional soccer team. And um, there, is, there is a tremendous need uh, in, in our community, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and also the state of South Dakota, to, to really elevate the game of soccer for women, but also even uh, you know, for, for, for men as well as young kids to, to dream. And um, I'll tell you the story of how it got started. And uh, this kind of help will help you paint the picture. So I, I have three daughters. Uh, my middle daughter is a very good soccer player. She's now playing uh, Division II college soccer. She just finished her freshman year. And here two years ago, she came home from practice and said, hey, it sounds like we're going to get a women's semi-professional soccer team to Sioux Falls. And I'm like, great. That's that sounds like a fantastic thing. I think it'd be great for you, for your career, for the community, for everybody in this area to to really have an opportunity to get better. And it would be great for you to just continuously have an opportunity to, to play in the summertime. And uh, then you can head back to college and and, you know, keep doing better throughout your career. And so I'm excited. She's excited. And months go by. And so it was probably February that she told me about this. And come June, the middle of June, nothing came up. And it just so happens to be that the head coach of her club team was the one who told her about it. So we're in St. Louis, Missouri at a big national tournament. And I, uh, as, as happens amongst soccer families, and it happens in softball families and baseball families and hockey families, well, at the end of the day, what do we do? We all go sit in the lobby. We all open up a cooler of some kind and we sit around and we chat and solve the world's problems. And sure enough, the coach comes walking by and I said, hey, come here, help me understand what's going on with this soccer team. And he said, nothing. Nobody will do it. And he said, they've been talking about it in the state of South Dakota for years, but nobody will do it. I said, well, help me understand. it." So he explained the basics of the soccer team, gave me a a little bit of an idea of the business plan. And I just kind of sat there and I went, well, I could do that. Why wouldn't I start it? And so this was June of uh, 20, June of 21 is when this was. And uh, I put it in the back of my head and just kind of let it marinate for about three months. And to give you a little backstory, my wife and I are just about to become empty nesters. Our youngest daughter's a junior in high school. Yes, exactly. We're, we got two years to go that and, and if anybody's counting, uh, which we are counting. Um, so we'll be empty nesters in a couple of years. And we were starting to talk about like, what are we going to do? 
when our when our girls are all out of the house, like what? I mean, because anybody that has kids, especially kids that are in activities, you're gone every night. You're gone most weekends. You're doing stuff, and so what are we going to do with all of our time when that time happen, when that time comes? So we'd been talking about this for months, and so I'll I'll fast forward from June of twenty one to September of 21, we're out for a walk and we're going along. And I looked at Melissa and I said, Hey, I got this idea. I'm kind of thinking about starting a soccer team. I swear on everything. Holy. I thought for sure. Melissa was going to say, no, you're crazy. We're not going to do this. (laughs) I mean, I fully expected her to say, no, you're crazy. We're not going to do this. And I would have moved on just like, all right, well, whatever. She looks at me. She goes, yeah, I think you should look into it. And I'm like, what? Did you just say yes? And I mean, my wife is not a no person, but I just really thought she was going to be like, no, you're crazy. We're not going to do that. We'll we'll let somebody else do it. Sure enough. She's like, well, why don't you look into it? And so to take this very long story and shorten it, I looked into it. We decided we were going to move forward. We um, put a list of families together that we thought would be really fun to do this with. Reached out to another family, took them out to dinner literally about a year ago right now as we're doing this recording and ambushed him at dinner and said, we're going to start this soccer team. And here we are. It's a year later. We got approved in December of 2021 to get into the league. We created the team from December 21. And by May 21, we had uh, May of 22, we had a team on the field and ended up having an amazing first season uh, ended up winning franchise of the year for our conference. And here we are in the planning stages for the 2023 year as we speak. And so it was amazing. Absolutely amazing. So much fun. Mm-hmm. So does pre-professional mean they're volunteers? Mm, kind of. Yes, kind of. <laughs> that pre-professional means we don't pay them. Uh, they're, they're all either NCAA athletes, NAIA athletes, and they're all amateurs, meaning they're on they're on scholarship, or we can't violate their NCAA amateur eligibility. Uh, and then we also have a few people, few players that are like just recent college grads. They're trying to work on their game so they can get better, so they can pick up a pro contract instead of going back to college in the fall. They might pick up a pro contract overseas or something like that. Uh, that we have. So I mean, the average player is uh, 21 years of age in the league. We joined a league called the the Women's Premier Soccer League. It is uh, headquartered out of Oklahoma City. It's the largest, 140 teams, oldest running women's premier, women's soccer league in the world. It's wow. it's pretty cool. Yeah. Nice. Well, mm-hmm. our we spent 10 years living in in Colombia and and so we understand the value of soccer outside of the United States and and we also understand the the development necessary, right? Because the reason it's taken so long for soccer to get to this level where now our men's team is competing in the World Cup and our women's team is competing on the world stage is because of all the the need for development from the the four year olds on up. <laughs> and and so when you say you know there's a need across the country for more development and more opportunities for for women to participate, for men to participate. Um, definitely understand that it, it starts at the youngest level and it's got to have all the pieces in place for development all the way up until they have the chance to become pros. So way to go for taking care of, obviously 
you know, a little selfish intent for your own daughters, but taking care of the whole community at the same time. And so that's, that's pretty exciting. Yeah. It, uh, it's been amazing. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, yeah. Now does Melissa help you in the, in, in that process and the development and is something you guys get to do together? Yeah. Yeah. We actually, uh, that was why we decided to do it is we wanted to have something that we could work on together. And then the other couple that we brought in, um, you know, Melissa actually quit her job. She did not have the other, the other wife, the other spouse, her name is, his name is Emily. Uh, and the other owner, his name is Eric and Emily, uh, does not work outside of the home. Um, he's a, he's a, a retina surgeon. And so long story short, we're all in all the time. I mean, we've got multiple meetings on a weekly basis. Uh, Melissa quit her job. My wife, Melissa, has been a, uh, a school nurse and she quit her job to focus on being able to spend more time helping to run the soccer team, which is just it's been amazing. Our whole mission is to empower women through soccer. And so anything that has podcasts or or uh, media, anything. Uh, Melissa and Emily are the the face of the organization, and it's exactly how I would like it: is have them <laughs> be the face of the organization. Yeah, yeah and I think that's really amazing and uh, can be really beneficial for Melissa and Emily to have that purpose and focus uh, that they can transition um, from being a mom all these years to to still having something to do. Oh yeah, yeah, and and it's allowing them to. It's allowing them to use skills that you use as a mom, as a parent, but then turn them into, you know, empowering women and turning into uh, meeting with people to get sponsorship dollars and just everything. It's just been such an amazing experience. Well, and obviously you mentioned that, that, it, that there is a business plan, there is a business model. And, 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 and I'm assuming that you've invested in this not just for the sake of playing soccer, but, but because it's a viable business and, and, a, and a possibility for even a minor revenue stream to support your plans and your dreams. Someday. Yes. Right now it is a passion project. So <laughs> if we want to talk about entrepreneurialism that then has a revenue component and a profit component, well, we better talk about my financial advisory business, not the soccer team. <laughs> All right, but I, but yeah. I don't want to let go of the soccer mm -hmm. one just yet, because mm -hmm. I think, I think there is value in, in, business as a whole, as, as a family and, and your commitment to the community, the, the value of contribution. And so let's talk about the contribution part of that as a, as a passion project. Oh yeah. Um, you know, the best way I can put it is when we started this thing, you know, we went out and we talked to different sponsors and partners and, and really the, the story was we want to give young girls an opportunity to drink really want to want them to look at us, watch our players and go, mom, I can do that. Dad, I can do that. And uh, that and the mission of empowering women through soccer and then the responsibility that we have as a result of of owners of this team and what I would say stewards of this community is really it got way bigger than we thought. I mean, <laughs> that contribution to the community is huge. Um when, when we as owners go out into the community and we see kids and adults wearing the stuff we designed, the, the, the shirts, the hats, the scarves, the sweatshirts, 
Um, it's just absolutely amazing. I mean, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it because here a few weeks ago, we went to a school function and I look over and here's a, a freshman in high school, uh, a girl I've never seen before in my entire life. And I know quite a few people in the soccer community. She's got our sweatshirt on. And I looked at her and I said, that is an awesome sweatshirt. She has no idea who I am. She doesn't know it was my idea, <laughs> but it was just so neat to see. So that contribution to the community, the giving of, of the dreams to those young girls is just, it, it's worth every penny of it. I, I could care less if I ever make a penny with this team. Um, if it, if we see young girls getting a chance to dream, we see the game get better. We see our players get better and we see the community get behind it. it it's every bit worth it. Yeah. It makes it, it's a different purpose. So, I mean, you've talked a little bit about all the connections in the, the community that you are, uh, you know, what mm -hmm. is that value and how valuable is that connection to all, to everybody? Ooh, well, the, va the value of, of just seeing the community get behind uh, the team has been just outrageous. Like I said, it's just heartwarming. Um, to give you an example, we had 652 people show up to our first game and the average attendance that we had was about 466 people uh, wow. throughout our, throughout our home games to give you a, a little understanding what that really means though, is we traveled, you know, we had four home games, four away games, and we traveled to four away games. And in those stadiums, in those stands, there was maybe 50 people in the stands of which we made up 25 to 30 of them. So we traveled well. So, I mean, we really got some, uh, some great community support and uh, so much that one of the games, there's a, a player who played for the University of Wisconsin. We're talking big time college soccer. She's a great player. And the dad just happens to pull me aside in the, the breezeway of our stadium in the middle of the game. And he goes, how do you do this? How do you get this many people here? I said, we are a great community that really supports soccer. So what I'd say, Noel, is the connections that we're creating and the connection to the community is being seen by the people that are coming to the coming to the to the games and coming to the stadium to watch. Uh, where did those connections come from? Well, then, then I got to go back to my financial advisory business of being in this community for the last twenty seven years. Uh, and I mean, I came right out of college, went right into the insurance industry, knew nobody in this town, uh, had no money whatsoever. So I went to the insurance side first because I, I'm like, at least I could sell some insurance. Um, and uh, over the course of the last 27 years, um, I morphed from the insurance side into the financial advisory side. I've now had my own practice for the last 14 years. And I, it's just weird. I mean, over time, being involved in all kinds of activities from soccer to community events, you start to build relationships and um, the amount of relationships that we were able to rely on in that first year is what supported the program the first year. And now we're going back to them and uh, asking them, Hey, we'd like your help again. And by the way, we're getting a phone call from the league above. They want us to move up. I mean, that's going to need our, mean our budget needs to be higher. Can you, can you help really support us? And so to go all the way back to that, Noel, really, it's, it's all those connections. It's the connections that have been made for the last 27 years that are really coming together to go back and say, hey, would you be willing to help us out? Would you be willing to sponsor us? What can we do to help you, you know, market your business 
through our platform, through our team, through what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Man, I, I think in my mind, it sounds to me like that vision that you guys have created is a, is a community vision and it allows you to get community buy-in. So, so share a little bit about the, the, the motivation for that vision and, and how that's empowered you to, to attract the community. Ooh, like I said, it got bigger than it got bigger than we thought it was going to get. And we, we came together as a group, as an ownership group with the idea that we're going to put a soccer team on the field. And then we started digging into like values and mission and, you know, our values are authenticity, integrity and purpose. And then the mission is to empower women through soccer. And the whole idea of empowering women through soccer, everything goes through that lens. And then when you put a good team on the field, like our, our city of Sioux Falls is amazing. Uh, they really get behind uh, teams. And the thing that Sioux Falls doesn't have is they don't have a major women's team. There's, there's, all, there's a men's baseball team. There's a men's hockey team. There's a men's uh, indoor football team. There is a men's basketball team. And they're all at that level that there's great community support, but nothing was for women. And so we told the story of this is what we need to do to really help our community and help that grow. Um, But we didn't think it was going to get as big as it did as fast as it did. I mean, we have grand visions to actually have a professional team in the city of Sioux Falls. Um, But the community really got behind us. And so it's just, it, it all of a sudden turned to this, wow, this would be really fun to, oh boy, there's a responsibility here. We have got to make sure we really do this to help bring this to the community. Yeah, telling that story, people can get behind a story and get behind the passion. So how has running a business with your wife impacted your relationship? 99 times out of 100, it makes it better. Because we're, we're just, I mean, we are... We're, we're always on the same page and it, it's just weird. We've been together. It'll be 30 years uh, here this winter. I think it is that we've been together. We've been married 27 of those years. Uh, we met in college and I, I, 30 days in, I looked at my roommates. I'm like, I'm done. They're like, what? I'm like, I'm done. I'm going to marry this girl. I'm done. And we've just always been on the same page. And so us working together, like I said, 90 times, 99 times out of 100 makes our relationship stronger. It's great because we're on the same page. Every now and then, um, you know, we kind of disagree on things. Or um, if you're listening to me at all, you can hear there's a little bit of passion in me. And sometimes I get kind of excited and I get a little ahead of myself. And I get a little ahead of everybody else sometimes. And so um, I, I have to kind of, okay, hold on. We, let's get back on the same page together. And so for the most part, it just keeps making our relationship stronger. Uh, it's we're on the same page. Um, I can tell you this, we aren't really worried about what we're going to do when the kids are out of the house. Cause we already know, I mean, this takes a ton of time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. We will be right back after this short break. This episode is sponsored by perfect publishing, a different approach to publishing a book. Perfect publishing carefully chooses heroes of hope who exemplify living a life. They created through faith, hope, patience, and persistence. No matter what page you open to in this mini cube of hope, you will find a leader with a big heart. You will see you are not alone. The authors may share similar challenges that only hope and action could resolve. 
Get your free ebook at getadoseofhope.com. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. All right. So you mentioned, obviously, 27 years ago, you started out selling insurance. Um, and, and, and there's a slow grind element to that building relationships. But what, what helped you the most to, to attract clients, to create leads, to, to create opportunities? And if someone, if someone were to start the same place you were today, what would you recommend for them? Get a different job. No, I'm joking. Um, I'm joking. Um, starting out in the insurance wow. and financial services industry is hard. At 23 years of age, it is hard. Um, but they need they need more and more because they're aging out at an incredible rate. And so this is a challenge for, for that industry. Oh, yeah, especially the financial advisory industry. The right. advisory industry is aging is aging out. Now, there are some great young people that are coming into the business, but there's not enough great young people coming into the business. Um, the thing that I learned, and, and I heard somebody say it when I first got going in the industry, is if you can make friends fast and you're not afraid to talk to people, you're going to be okay. You'll figure it out. I have the ability to make friends fast. I have the ability to build trust really fast. I don't know where it come from. I just know I have the ability, excuse me, to make friends fast. And so I think it comes all the way down to that paper route. We walked up to those houses and here I am. Now, now I come from a melting pot family. I was an only child. My dad married into a family with four boys. Get this. Two of them are twins. They're one month and one week older than me. So at one time, there was three of us the same age in the house. Then there's another brother two years older, another brother three years older. And the funny thing I tell people is at one time when the twins and I were freshmen, second oldest brother was a junior, oldest brother was a senior. We made up half of the starting varsity soccer team. <laughs> and uh, my stepmother, Linda, was the greatest stepmother in the world. I mean, she made sure she had meals prepared every single night. I mean, we ate that house out every night. Um, never anything left over the next day because we ate it all the night before. She would get three gallons of milk on Saturday. She'd have to go back for two more gallons of milk on Wednesday to make it to Saturday. Um, but so here I come from this big melting pot family. And then, my, and then my dad and my stepmother, Linda, decided they wanted to have another child. They hoped and prayed for a girl. They ended up having a girl. She's 12 years younger than me. Uh, and so uh, to go back to the to paper route is I was the one that they would make talk to people. And so we, we literally, one of the twins and I had a route together. Twin and another brother had a route together. And then the, uh, the oldest had his own. And... Um, I can still remember walking up to the very first house when we had to go collect that we hadn't collected for like two or three months. And he looks at me and just elbows me right in the ribs. He goes, you're talking. I'm like, all right, here we go. And uh, so I just, I learned how to talk to people all the way back then. And uh, with some sales training and some understanding of how to really do things in the business world, uh, I frankly survived. And, and uh morphed into the financial advisory side over the course of the next, let's see, I think it started in 95 and I was in the financial advisory side in 2000, you know, over the course of five years, moved, moved my way over to the other side. So, 
I mean, you kind of mentioned some help along the way. Uh, how have mentors served you in, in, in your growth journey in that transition of growing your business? Oh, mentors have been fantastic. Uh, as I think about mentors, I mean, the first couple that come through uh, my mind is, is one, I just was on a Zoom call this morning with a buddy of mine that's a, another financial advisor. He's in Atlanta. And uh, I'll get to the point here, but I'm just having fun telling stories. This has been such a great, fun place to yes. tell stories. Um, <laughs> and I wrote a book. I authored a book. And um, he's like, hey, how, how, tell me how that book went. How did that book go? And the first words out of my mouth were, one, it was an amazing experience. And two, my book mentor explained kind of the things as we went through the steps and and just kind of helped me think through things as I was as I was going through the book journey and um, he looked at me about five minutes later, he goes, will you be my book mentor? I said, of course I'll be your book mentor. I got to pass that on. <laughs> and so that, that is the most recent, like great mentoring piece. That's just recent. Um, when I started my own firm back in 2008, uh, over the course of a couple of years, I kind of figured, figured my way into um, into some different little groups and some, some areas where there were some other advisors. And I met an advisor by the name of Rick Becker back in 2010. And he was one of the very first ever registered investment advisors in the state of South Dakota. And I met him and he, over the course of multiple years, just kind of mentored and coached. And like, I would have a problem with a a problem with a client or a problem with something business-wise. How, how did you handle that? How did you do this? It just shaped my ability to, to continue to persevere with, with clients and, and, uh, and, and the business all the way back to my old days in the insurance industry. I was always just building friends with other experienced agents and then advisors and constantly asking them like, how do you do this? How do you do that? And, um, it's just been ingrained in me to go to those mentors and be like, help me understand you've already done this. Help me understand how to, how to do this better. And, uh, consequently, anytime anybody asks me for help, anytime they're like, Hey, how do you do this? How do you, yep. How much time do you want? Let's, let's go. I'll, I turn and pay that forward as many times as I can because mentors, they, they've already done it. It might not be the same, it's a, a shoulder to cry in if you need to. And, it, and it's a it's a coach when you need them to say, hey, go try this. And then it's a cheerleader too. Like, hey, man, you got this. I've already done this. I've already gotten my face ripped off before. <laughs> Trust me, my face went back on and your face will go back on too. You're going to be just fine. Nice. What mm -hmm. has been the impact of your podcast? Impact of my podcast. One, I get to meet really cool people around the world. And I get to hear their stories. And that, that is the greatest impact right there. I mean, I have built friends all over the country and all over the world just by the podcast and meeting cool people, hearing their stories. And I pick something up and I learn something every single time. So that's, that's the first impact. Um, the second impact of which, uh, unfortunately or fortunately, was the reason I did it is I wanted to create a a stream of qualified prospects coming into my business. I mean, why wouldn't you uh, want to have, you know, a, a business benefit from it? 
And so I started this thing uh, in March of 2020. It's actually probably February I started it. My first episode went April 15th of 2020. And uh, everybody in the industry, every financial advisor buddy of mine, they're like three years, man. Give it three years. Give it three years. You'll start to actually see like business return from it. And sure enough, I'm sitting here at about two and a half years. And it's interesting. We're starting to see qualified prospects come in that are turning into clients. I've onboarded three just in the last few months. It's just weird how it works, but people start to really understand you because they've been listening to you. You've been in their ears for um, one week, one month, one year. And it's just really, really fun to hear people's stories, learn about their journey, and then figure out a way to then go help those people that are listening mm. uh, in some way, shape, or form with your with your message and with your guests. I mean, like, um, y- you guys are on my podcast. You're going to share the, your wisdom and help my listeners. And frankly, if they don't, people listening to me don't call me, but they call you and they use your, your services and, and they want you to help them even better because that's going to give the opportunity for me to then share that audience and share um, the abundance that out there in the world to, to help you. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, so you mentioned your book and a mentor helping you create mm-hmm. it. And, but what's the title of your book and, and, and who's, who's the audience for it and kind of what was your intent or purpose in, in writing? The title of the book is called The Solopreneur's Money Manifesto. And it is how to master your finances and create the life you want. It is written for, literally in the book, it's written for an executive coach that says, I really want to figure out how to master my finances. I want to create the life that I want. And I want to, I want to reduce my taxes. I want to build up the assets to be able to pay for my kids to go to college or uh, take my family on a dream vacation or buy a beach condo or whatever. And so it's this journey of the process that I use to help clients literally master their finances and create the life that they want. So the book is called The Solopreneur's Money Manifesto. And um, why did I write the book? I started, I started doing podcast episodes and I was outlining podcast episodes. And over the course of a few months of podcast episodes, I looked down at my notes and I went, holy buckets, I got a book here. I might as well just create a book too. And so um, that's what, that was kind of the catalyst. And then the timing, we were in the middle of COVID. We weren't, we weren't traveling all over the country for soccer. We weren't traveling all over the country for cheer and dance. We were home and we had time. And so I was like, well, if I'm going to do a book, it's time. It's time to do the book right now. So I started the process of the book. I, um, and, and I will tell anybody that asks, it is the greatest experience that I went through with the book. I hired a company called Scribe. Scribe is a company that from soup to nuts starts you off with your book concept all the way to the end of marketing. And I actually had a ghostwriter. The ghostwriter wrote my book. But I spoke the book out. I spoke the book out every two hours, uh, two hours every other Friday for eight months to my ghostwriter. And he literally took 
transcribed it in my words, wrote the book in my words. It literally sounds like me. Like when you get to know who I am and you read the book, you're like, oh, that sounds just like Abe. Um, it was a great experience. Now, that experience is not cheap, but that experience was fantastic for me and it worked for me in my life uh, with, with how we were doing things. And, and I, I tell anybody that if they don't really want to write the book and they know that they might start it, but they won't finish it, don't mess around. Just go hire somebody and have them take care of it. And that was what my book mentor told me. Because I was like, hey, I kind of think I bought a book. You did that. Tell me about yours. He says, stop right there. Do not waste any more time. Just call Scribe. Seriously, don't mess around. Just go call Scribe. And I did, and it was a great decision. Nice. Mm -hmm. So what does it look like to design your business around your family? You're looking at it. I mean, this is, it's beautiful uh, to design my business around my family. In 2010, uh, we built a new house. I set up in the basement my business operations. My, my office is operating out of my house. Up until uh, early 2022, I had a small little executive suite that I would run client meetings at. But the way my day is, is built around my family. The way my life runs is built around my family. The way my business runs is built around my family. So what I'll do is I'll, I'll explain a little more. Um, operate out of my house. My morning routine is this 5 a.m. wake up call, work out meditation. I got like four books sitting on my desk that I read every morning. There's a devotional, there's a philosophy book, and then there's two books that I read 10 minutes in each, each day so that I keep reading books and filling my brain. There's a journaling aspect. And then by about seven o'clock, I'm in the kitchen making breakfast for whoever wants breakfast in the morning. And so my kids, my wife, whoever make breakfast, Everybody heads out the door. I take a shower. I'm in my office by eh, between 8 and 8.30 and get to work. Four o'clock most days, I'm done. I walk upstairs. I start picking up the kitchen and I make supper. I cook supper. I'm the cook in the house. I make supper almost every single night for the family. And so that's the daily when we travel, um, my kids up until just the last couple of years, my, my kids basically would just know that I would be up early in the morning. We travel, I work for a little bit, take care of some emails, take care of some client things and then shut it off. And then we go play wherever we're going, whether it's snowboarding in Colorado or beach in Costa Rica, wherever we're going, that's always been the deal. So I've built everything around my family purposefully. So that's what it looks like. Nice. It's so valuable. Yeah. All right. We're going to talk about play and fun because you mentioned that. But first, I want to ask you, with all the business success that you've had, what what is what is your biggest challenge or what's been your biggest challenge? Hmm. I'd say the biggest challenge up until a couple of years ago was getting caught doing stuff that I shouldn't do. And what, what I mean by that is, is like, there's no reason whatsoever that an entrepreneur should spend more than, you know, 30 minutes max, maybe an hour in a day on email. I mean, you just shouldn't do that. You, and so there's activities that as an entrepreneur, we know where we are best. We know where 
we frankly have the biggest return on the investment. And we also know that that's stuff that fills our cup, makes us happy and, and just gives us energy. And it took me a little while to figure that out, that I need to get staff in place. Now I've hired two uh, virtual assistant companies to support me. One handles the front office. I call it, uh, it my executive assistant. There's a company called Athena Executive Services. They specialize in high-end executive assistants. And then there's another company called Total Office. And Total Office is a niche executive assistant company or virtual assistant company that supports financial advisors. I've delegated and invested in those two companies and in their people to support me so that all that I do on a daily basis is I take about 30 minutes a day to deal with emails. I do tasks that only I can do. And I meet with clients and I talk to clients and I do podcasts. That's it. And I'm trying to get to a point to get rid of a couple more of those things so that all I do is just talk to people. Um, that is the biggest thing is uh, any entrepreneur that's listening and they feel like they're working like crazy and they feel like they are missing their kids stuff and they feel like they're just hair on fire at the end of the day. They can't settle down. They need to drink four drinks so they can go to sleep. Whatever your story is, you probably need to get delegate more stuff off of your plate so that you can actually do what you were designed to do. And if you can focus on the things you were designed to do, your business is better. Your life is better. Your marriage is better. Your skin is better. Everything's better. So. So good. Yeah. So going back to play and fun, how important is it to have play and fun in, in your business and in your life? Well, the beautiful thing about my business and, and I, frankly, most, most entrepreneurs, when you're out having fun doing things, there's usually business being done around it at times, or you're, you're, you're looking to somebody who might be a prospect for you or your business, like, hey, this person is able to relax and have fun and go do things. I think I might want to either learn from them or I want might, might want them to help me. Then maybe they figured out some things that I haven't figured out. So to me, play is, is outrageously important. One, because it usually helps your business, but two, it helps your brain. It helps your body recover and allows you to reset so that you can come back and be better for what you're doing. So to me, play is outrageously important. One of my goals for 2023 is I'm going to play more golf. I'm going to play way more golf and I'm going to invite clients. I'm going to invite prospects. I'm going to invite more people. Just like, let's just go have fun. We're not going to talk about business. We're just going to go have fun. And I know that it will start to lead to more things. Um, I've got this really cool idea. So if somebody has a, a really awesome ski in ski out Airbnb that they want to rent for not 40 grand for a month, I've already looked into it once before. <laughs> um, I want to get a place out in Colorado and rent for a month ski and ski out and then just invite friends and clients and prospects to come out and spend two or three days at a time. Just come out. We're going to go snowboarding, skiing and just go have fun. And then when, we, when we're done, you can go home and I'll go back to work for a few more hours and I'm going to go back and go snowboarding again. I just think that would be so much fun. And, and what you get with that is you get a cook because I cook all the meals. I cook breakfast. I cook supper and uh, we'll sit in the hot tub and have a drink or two and we'll get up and do it again the next day. Nice. So, all right. We, we know yeah. some people we're going <laughs> to, we might, we might make that hookup. <laughs> I'll take it. I will take it. <clears throat> so, all right. Here's the, 
we're going to get to, I'm going to plant the seed because these are the two hardest questions. So mm-hmm. the dream question's coming. So you need to know what your big dream is, but okay. because of your great relationship with your wife, I love to ask, what's your most memorable date? Oh, <laughs> most memorable date. The one I'm thinking of right now is for my 40th birthday, she surprised me. We drove up to Minneapolis and we're staying in this hotel and um, sitting at the bar, having a drink before we're going to go out for supper. And she she surprised me with my best man and my wedding. My best friend came and tapped me on the shoulder. And I had no idea, no idea he was coming. And we went and the four of us, his, his fiance at the time is now his wife, uh, we all went out for for a, just a fantastic night for my birthday and had a great time. And so, the the that is probably like one of the greatest because of all the planning and all the work and all the things she had to do to make that pull that off and make it happen. And uh, that was just that was a lot of fun. So that to me, that's that's my selfish one. Yeah. Nice. I like mm-hmm. that. That those are the perfect kind of memories that that are fun to share and. And, and for people to aspire to, like, I hope people listening are thinking about, man, I want to be in a cabin for a month in Colorado. And I want my wife to, to bring my best friend to my 40th birthday and, and, and have a great evening together. So I think that's exciting. Yeah. Back to that one. Oh, what is your big dream? My big dream. My big dream is I really... I want to be able to be laying on my deathbed and realize that I was one great dad, one great, you know, brother, great son, and a great friend. If I can end my life going, I, I did that right, then to me, I, I think it was it was all worth it. Um, if you want to know what's the material dream, well, in a couple of years, when my kids are all out of the house and my daughters are in college that are still not quote unquote off payroll. Um, my plan is to travel the world, still run my business, still run my podcast, still do everything, but do it location independent. I want to spend, I don't know why I want to spend a month in Portugal. I just want to go to Portugal for a month and then somewhere else after that. That must be the place. We've heard a lot about Portugal lately. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, a month in Colorado snowboarding in the wintertime in the best possible time when the snow is there. And then when we're sick of that, go to the beach in Costa Rica or the beach in air in uh, Florida. But the idea is just to be able to go see the world, travel the world while still running my business and still taking care of, you know, my family and everything else that comes along with it. I think I almost heard you say the beach in Arizona. So you were already planning for California to fall off. I, I heard it. <laughs> <laughs> no, Arizona's in my head lately because my parents have a place that we might actually buy. And so it just, that's just like, that, that was a, what would you call it? A Freudian slip? It was a slip. It's, it's, so, it's a yeah. very long beach from Arizona to California. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could say it's all beach, you know, exactly. you know with all the sand and, and the rock. <laughs> All right, before we get to the, the, the last question, I, I want to talk about joy and gratitude. Mm-hmm. How has gratitude served you in, in your daily life as, as a man, as a husband, as a father? And then how does that impact your business? You know, as part of my journaling, every single day, I write down three things I'm grateful for. And that has served me because it allows me to 
to, it, it has to be something different every day. And um, it just keeps bringing gratitude up. Like, okay, I'm, I'm just grateful that we had a great meeting last night with our soccer team. I'm grateful that, that my daughter is feeling better. I mean, just, it just, it starts my day uh, really well. And so the best way I can say it is, is I start my day grateful and that it allows my, my thoughts and my intentions to be where they should be on a daily basis. And when our thoughts are intentions, I mean, you guys are mindset experts. When, when your thoughts and intentions are in the right place, you're just better business. You're, you're better for business. You're better for your clients. You're better for everything that's going on. Mm, mm -hmm. So good. Yep. All right. So mm -hmm. you've spent 45 minutes with us. What words mm -hmm. of wisdom would you leave for our listeners? I think I have to repeat since this is an entrepreneur podcast. I think the thing that I have to repeat is figure out what you're good at. Do that figure out how to get rid of everything else so that you can operate in your genius on a daily basis. And if you do, your business will be great. Your life will be great. I'm bald. Your hair will be great. Your skin will be great. And I say that, I mean, but you know, to some people, bald is beautiful. So to me, I just, I wanted to get rid of the hair because I was getting an island. But to go back to focus on your genius, entrepreneurs, and when you focus on your genius and you get other people to do the things you don't like to do, you're operating what I would say above the line on a daily basis, and you will see tremendous returns. Gabe, thank you so much. What a wonderful conversation. I learned so much more about you and, and your family and, and all the things that you're doing, and appreciate you taking the time to share with our audience today. My pleasure. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. This episode is brought to you by Intentional Decisions That Lead to Massive Success. No, those aren't companies promoting our show. They are qualities that you need to build your business and take control of your life. So to help you out, I'm offering my most popular worksheets to help you plan the future you want and audit your calendar today. The best way to get what you want is to know what it is and start making sure that your calendar matches. You can download them free today at addvaluemindset.com. If you will take action by just completing these two activities, they will change your life and business. I promise you a new level of results in the coming year. The problem is that we make things so complicated and we lose focus on what is really important. These tools will help you refocus on what matters most. When you align your passion with your purpose in your work, you can be happier and start doing the things you wanted to in the first place, like spending more quality time with the kids. To get your free copy of the tools to start tackling your busy schedule, go to addvaluemindset.com. If you enjoy the show, please like, subscribe, leave a review. But most importantly, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with someone who needs to hear it. Share, share, share. In our next episode, Angela Gentile and Robert Noel talk about what happens when life duct tapes you and shoves you in the trunk. What happens when you train for a career and you jump in excited and enthusiastic, but you hate it and are miserable? It took Angela seven years to make the leap into her passion, but her pain was her message and she used her Zen rage heal process to help others who felt the same about their lives.